It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, October 24th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. City staff are hoping to score some money to improve the Crescent Harbor Park. When the Sitka Assembly meets tonight, it will consider whether to apply for state grant funding from the Grant and Water Conservation Fund to resurface the tennis courts. According to a memo from the city's public relations director, Melissa Henshaw, and Parks and Rec coordinator, Kevin Knox, the tennis court hasn't been resurfaced for 60 years. The project will create a more multi-purpose facility where users could play everything from pickleball to badminton. The updates could also include new lighting and a small restroom facility. In all, the project would cost $250,000 total, with $125,000 in matching funds from the city. Tonight, the Assembly will hear an update on plans to expand Sitka's airport terminal, and on final reading, it will consider whether to repurchase property at the Gary Paxton Industrial Park that it sold to SIAC Logistics last year. The Sitka Assembly meets at 6 p.m. tonight. Raven News will broadcast the meeting live following Alaska News Nightly. More than 200 Indigenous artists gathered last week for the annual Alaska Federation of Natives Convention Arts Market, including Sitka artist George Bennett Sr. As KTOO's Adeline Baxter reports, the market was bigger than ever. Hundreds of people crowd the main exhibition hall for the first day of the Alaska Federation of Natives Arts Market. Trinity Villalobos came from Fairbanks. She and Anchorage resident Tierra Davis are busy browsing. Villalobos is admiring a pair of beaded earrings at one of the tables. I know there was one that was like black with pumpkins for Halloween, and I was a sucker for that, so I'm probably going to go back and buy that one. Meanwhile, Davis has her eye on an intricately beaded hummingbird hair clip. So I'm shopping for things for my hair, but I want something that like tells a story that's really going to draw someone in from the back. But I have locks, so I have a lot of hair, so everything isn't going to flow. But yeah, this one guy had pieces that just tell beautiful stories. So I'm excited to buy more than I budgeted for. Sitting in the middle of it all is George Bennett Sr., a clinket artist from Sitka. His Bentwood boxes, decorated in formline designs, are already halfway sold out. I had about uh, six, eight people converge on my table before I was even ready to price them. So about eight or nine boxes went out within a half hour. Bennett is one of more than 200 indigenous artisans from around the state and the lower 48, here to sell carvings, cusbooks, furs, and all manner of jewelry. Bennett has been making cedar boxes for about 25 years. He catches up with friends from around the state in between customers. This is kind of like uh, uh, like the Belton pot where it's like you're set on a corner and you watch it all, your friends go by and, and you see him and you waved. Jack Bonney from Visit Anchorage helped organize this year's market. He says every region of the state is represented. It's a microcosm of all of Alaska in Anchorage in one or two rooms for a couple of days. Bonnie said the market brings thousands of people to AFN every year. Upstairs, convention delegates hear from national and state leaders about critical Alaska Native issues. But the market is an entry point for the general public. The arts market is one of the big draws for folks who may not otherwise know what AFN is about or it might be their first visit. Uh, that leads to a broader conversation about what AFN does in the community. For the first time this year, the market spilled over into an additional room upstairs. Vina Brown set up her table there. She's originally from British Columbia and traveled from Lumi, Washington to the market. I really didn't know what to expect, but it's quite impressive so far. I mean, there's so many people and 
it's really cool to see just different types of indigenous people. Her jewelry business is called Copper Canoe Woman and features traditional designs like Formline with a high fashion flair. Just like our rights aren't frozen in time, our art isn't frozen in time, so we're allowed to adapt and pivot and, and elevate that. So I think, you know, we're still making art, and we're just like our ancestors, we use what we have available to us. Back in the main hall, Bennett says that whether he sells all his boxes or not, seeing people enjoy them is enough. It's a good way to connect and share each other's culture through this kind of work. Oh, it's beautiful. In Anchorage, I'm Adeline Baxter. Wrangell's government has committed millions of dollars to developing new housing lots at the site of a former Bureau of Indian Education boarding school. As KSTK's Sage Smiley reports, the borough faces serious questions about how to ensure their mission is met, getting the new housing lots into the hands of locals who see Wrangell as a year-round home. Earlier this summer, the former Wrangell Institute site was covered in thick alders. Now, trucks drive back and forth from the site carrying loads of brush. Large swaths of the sloping area have been cleared and are dotted with heavy machinery. The ground is covered in rock pads, getting ready for construction. The western half of the 134-acre property closest to Zamovia Highway is being developed into 22 new housing lots. The development is called Aldertop Village after the historic Tlingit name for the site, Keishan Gita'an. Borough manager Jeff Good says Wrangell officials want Aldertop Village to help families grow roots in town. And the whole goal, I think, of the property and what the assembly wanted to do was to, to help lower to middle income families and the younger families to be able to afford a property, uh, to build a house or have a house. And, and to move here for jobs, because that's, a, that's an issue for us as we move forward, and that really impacts our economic development. But how does a municipal government ensure newly built lots in Wrangell's tiny, tight housing market actually get into the hands of the intended buyers, those lower-income young families that will build a home and a life on the island? Wrangell Economic Development Director Kate Thomas says her office is deep in discussions about how to best sell the lots, whether through public surplus auctions, sealed bids, a lottery-style draw, or over-the-counter sales. She says they're looking at case studies of other municipalities' lot sales. We're also looking at criteria of the sale or stipulations, whether that be a requirement to have Alaska residency a certain number of years or terms for development, like you have to develop within five years of purchasing the land, minimum down payments. Another uh, stipulation that we saw that was interesting was um, in order to qualify for lottery sale, you couldn't already own land. So it gets the land into the hands of first-time landowners or home builders, which would be a positive thing, although there are some challenges or downfalls to that. And then limiting the number of parcels that people can purchase so that you don't have a monopoly on the land or something like that. The borough does have some time to make decisions. So while construction is underway for roads and clearing, uh, we still need to do the contract bids for utilities. And so there's a lot more planning uh, and construction that needs to take place before they're ready for sale. But Thomas says local interest is already high. Since ground has been broken, we've probably received 10 different inquiries, and the folks on the ground out there said they probably could have sold six parcels already just with people walking up on site. 
The history of Keishan Gitaan plays a role in how it's being developed as well. In 2021, development plans for the site ground to a halt after a First Nations group found the remains of hundreds of indigenous children on the grounds of a former boarding school in British Columbia. In the following weeks, thousands more children were found at former school sites around Canada. The horrific discoveries prompted the U.S. federal government and Alaska State Historic Preservation Office to look into residential boarding schools in the state. A federal records survey and ground survey of the site did not find any cultural artifacts or human remains at the former Wrangell Institute, and development plans resumed in 2022. But because of Aldertop Village's historical significance, Wrangell is still required to have an archaeologist on site any time contractors might be disturbing the ground. Wrangell's assembly recently approved a contract extension for the archaeologist, as development work has gone longer than expected. The monitor costs about $1,600 per day. That's caused some frustration for local assembly members like Bob Dalrymple. I don't begrudge the work and the necessary work to do this. I do begrudge the amount per day. It just blows me away. So how many people is it that we're paying for $1,600 a day? Is it one person? One? Yeah, I think it's one. How do I get a job like that? I better say. If the ongoing first phase development of Aldertop Village extends past November, it could cost even more. Wrangell Capital Facilities Director Ambrel Haddad says contractors are doing what they've been asked to, but major developments like this take time. I think that what they're doing is exactly what ne- is needed. You know, clearing the whole land first and then coming through and they're, they're excavating and returning, uh, filling right as they excavate. So, you know, they're going through and doing it as fast as they can. It's just a long project. While development work is ongoing, Wrangell's Economic Development Board will hold a work session on the subdivision, including how to sell lots and what stipulations might be required for purchase in mid-November. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. Alaska's chief medical officer, Dr. Ann Zink, is urging people to get the flu vaccine this month to protect themselves against an early season. Early flu is looking rough in Alaska. And what we've seen is a real uptake in the last couple weeks for influenza. She says the department often recommends people get the flu vaccine before Halloween. The slogan is flu before boo. And this year, she says she thinks that's a good goal. She said it's hard to predict what flu season will look like this year, but she's concerned. She says last year there was an early flu season and later there were high numbers of cases of RSV, flu and COVID. When we get a lot of viruses all at once, we can really overwhelm our limited healthcare capacity system within the state. But she says there are more immunizations than ever available for respiratory illnesses. This year is the first year an immunization for RSV is available for babies zero to eight months. Older adults can get vaccines for RSV. And Zink says in addition to flu shots, people at greater risk can take treatments like Tamiflu to reduce symptoms. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.